0: Amen. The rock won't move even though our sandcastles may crumble. Can we just show a, word, a short word of appreciation to our team? When a winter storm's raging around, they've been here from about six this morning, I think. And uh, just to lead us in worship like that, guys, thank you very much. It's great every week, but we really do appreciate it uh, this week, especially when a winter storm comes through. Now, I was going to say thank you all for coming back, but I need to say thank you all for joining us online, right? Because it seems that... Uh, Spring break was last week. Many of us were making that run back through the I-10, you know, the I-65, the I-75. Um, I said to Vipka last week, I said, hon, if we leave on Saturday, it's going to take us, you know, 20-something hours to get back from the panhandle. Let's leave Friday night. And we did, and my son left Saturday morning, and it did take him 22 hours to, to get back. And as we were driving back, we're driving back through Kentucky, and it's snowing all the way through Kentucky. And I'm like, Lord, thank you for the north. Thank you for springtime. Didn't reckon for a winter storm today, but um, it just kind of made me think of time in Florida. How many of you actually traveled south? Any of you traveled south through spring break? Yeah, well, welcome back to you. It's really, uh, really glad to have you. While we were there, we, we spent some time on the beach, and I just like going to the beach and, and just hanging. While we were there, we were hanging, throwing some, some balls around, and I threw one ball to Jaden, and he caught it, and he kind of stopped and looked because there was this giant whale not a live one, a sandcastle whale that was actually on the beach. And and he was trying hard not to actually fall into the thing. And I thought to myself, I'm really glad I'm on the beach with a child who's got beyond the age of thinking it's fun to destroy somebody's work of art. Any of you with me on that one? Uh, Right, you spend all of this time building, crafting this person, this whale, and all it would have taken was one more step, and Jaden would have destroyed this whale. And I said, Jaden, that's really awesome, bud. I said, what do you think the chances are of us getting back there tomorrow, and this thing's still standing? And we both laughed and said, let's check. So Thursday came, and uh, Jaden and I went back there, and we looked, in this whale, and true enough, the tail was gone, and there were little toddler footprints all over his head. It's really not surprising to us, though, is it? Because we know that when we craft something from sand, it's going to crumble. Because sand castles crumble. It's just basically what they do. And I think that kind of background is kind of the background we bring into the passage that we're going to look at today. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read a portion of Scripture from verse 24 through verse 27. And this is the parable of the wise and the foolish builder. Those of you familiar with the Bible, you'll already realize what parable it is. But what's interesting here is that Jesus chooses to end his first sermon with this. This is like his altar call, so to speak. And the last words here are great crash. He, He doesn't kind of motivate people. He just says, look, if you don't listen to what I'm telling you, this is what's likely to come. And the reason we resonate with this parable is because of our spring break experiences. We kind of get this. Hey, anybody who does what Jesus is saying here really is foolish. Do you know what the word foolish means? The word foolish is actually the Greek word moros, M-O-R-O-S, and we get the English word moron from it, seriously, right? Anybody who builds something in sand and expects the thing to last is a moron. Better off saying foolish, right? That's better than the Greek, So let's read this, Matthew 7 from verse 24. If you haven't got a Bible, you can look on the screen and it will be there for you. Therefore, Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine, what I've said in chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, and puts them into practice. So it's not just hearing them, it's hearing them and doing them. Is like a wise man who built his house on the rock The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is a moron, is a foolish man who built his house on sand." The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, I think again, the reason we resonate with this is because we know that if we build on sand, it's not going to last. Sand castles crumble. We get this. Okay, Jesus, we get the point here. If we want to build a life that lasts, we need to make sure that we build on a stable environment because spiritual maturity and stability go hand in hand. Okay, Jesus, we've got it. Next lesson, let's read Matthew chapter eight. But I think in this moment, Jesus would say, hey guys, not so fast. You see, what we often think when we read a passage like this is only partially true. The point that Jesus is making is far more subtle than that. You see, the way we interpret and apply this passage has more to do with spring break realities than it does with the Middle Eastern world. The application of this text to our lives is far more challenging for the religious person than we would think. Now, to help you get into the idea here, have a look at these words of a guy by the name of Hagner who writes this on this parable, as background. He says, look, Matthew describes typical storms in the hot, dry climate of the near eastern lands, blasting winds, torrential rains that produce sudden rivers where formerly there were dry wadis. Anybody know what a wadi is? A wadi is basically a dried-up desert riverbed. It's an Arabic word, an Arabian word, that the Hebrew equivalent is the word Nahal. And in the Old Testament, in the English version of the Old Testament, many of our translations don't use the Hebrew word Nahal. It doesn't want to use a dried-up riverbed because that's too basic, so it actually uses the Arabic word wadi, the wadi of Egypt, Joshua, in Numbers. There are a number of wadis. One of them was led from Jerusalem out, and everybody knew that, listen, the foolish thing to do is not to build your house in the Sahara Desert, because in the Middle Eastern reality, in the Middle Eastern world, the danger was not just you build on the sand, the danger was that you built in the wadi, and there's a difference. And see, the the application here is pretty simple. Most of us in this room realize that in order to be spiritually mature, to have a life that lasts, we need to build on a stable foundation, something that is firm. We get that. But that's only a part of what Jesus is saying. Jesus isn't saying, don't build your house in the Sahara. He's saying, don't build your house in a wadi. Don't do it. Now I want to help you see this. So what we've got here are a couple of examples, two containers. And the one container that we have is typically what we would think. This is kind of like the the fine sand, right? That's kind of what we think. Okay, Jesus, we, we kind of get this. We need to build our life on something that is stable and firm. And if we build it in a sand pit and the water comes... The house is going to shift. Everything around here is going to shift. This house is no, more, no longer safe. This is Justin. He's going to try and help you see this. This is the fine stuff. When the rains fall, the surface of the sand, the kind of things we bring the sand castles from, right, it will actually stay there. But we realize it's not firm underneath. When this rain keeps falling and keeps falling and keeps falling. Everything around it is eroded away. And Jesus says, look, John 16, in this life you will have trouble. Jesus doesn't say, hey, guess what? Follow me and it will never rain on you. Even followers of Jesus get rained on. And the point isn't, listen, if you build a house in a sand dune, guess what? The foundation isn't firm when the rains come, because they will come, your house is going to fall. That's not his point. His point is something different. Now, remember where Jesus was talking. Jesus was talking on the Sea of Galilee. So this is what one commentator says. The alluvial sand ringing the seashore, the Sea of Galilee, okay, was hard on the surface during the hot summer months. But a builder would not be fooled by surface conditions. When the winter rains came, causing the Jordan River pouring into the sea to overflow its banks, houses built on the alluvial sand surface would have, been unst- uh, would have an unstable foundation. But houses built on the bedrock would be able to withstand the floods. See, sand in the Middle Eastern reality around the seashore, even in the Judean desert, would have been compacted. This is the same substance. It still stands. But over time, it's hardened and it's dried. Oh, guess what? You put a house on here and you automatically see the difference between the two. This is hard. This is firm. So what do you think happens if you build your house in a wadi? See, it rains in the mountains, and when the, it rains in the mountains, the rock is so hard it can't take the water in. The water needs to go somewhere, so it will run from the mountains down into the Jordan River, and from the Jordan River it would flood its banks in the Sea of Galilee, and this sand that was around the, the seashore, around Capernaum, basically if you flood it, if you do this, the water flows. You see the water flowing? It doesn't sink, It flows. What do you think happens, thank you, Justin, what do you think happens to the life of a person who's built his house in a raging torrent of water? They get washed away. See, Jesus isn't simply talking about where we build, but how we build. And the other side of this is he's not simply talking about how we build, but where we build. And if you can see this, the water is still on the surface. Many of us are probably smart enough to realize it's pretty foolish to build a house here. It's pretty foolish to build our life on truths that are unstable and shaky. We we get that, right? But guess what, the world has changed. America's changed. What was once deemed to be truth is now one of many truths. That may be true for you, but it's not true for me. And so, whereas once there would have been a firm Christian foundation, what we have now is basically so many truths that what is happening is that people are building their lives on foundations that seem to be firm, but in fact aren't. They're building their life on surface level philosophies, philosophies that don't stand not only the test of time, but don't stand in the, t- in the, the heart of the storm. So what Jesus is saying is, who on earth would be foolish enough to build their house on a wadi? The the foundation that seems firm. Now remember, Matthew chapter 5 verse 1 tells us that this sermon that Jesus ended with this parable begins by Jesus calling the disciples to him. Not the crowds. But as you read through that Sermon on the Mount, you realize there were a lot of people listening to Jesus. This was a, a very divisive audience. Some people were for him, some people were intrigued by him, and some others, the religious leaders, were flat out against him. And so Jesus tells this parable to say, listen, there are many competing philosophies in this nation, philosophies that claim to be firm enough to help you stand the test of time and live through the storm. But I want to tell you, he says, the only philosophy that works is mine." It's an absolute claim. And so he says, who here is foolish enough to build their house in a wadi? And everybody around there would have realized what he says. That's why verse 28 says the people were amazed at his teaching, at his authority. Jesus stood out from the crowd. And anybody who claims to follow Jesus realizes that his words stand out from the crowded world of philosophical positions and ideologies. And Jesus says, if that's the the foundation for your life, that is how you stand firm. So who's foolish enough to ignore that? Those people who neglect the wisdom of the ages. That's who. How How would they have known what Jesus was saying here? Through experience. Joshua chapter 3, our water's edge vision, at flood stage, they crossed that river. They were used to the Jordan River flooding. They knew what happened. When it rained in those, in those months, what would happen is the water would cascade down into the Jordan, overflow the Sea of Galilee. So when they would build their house, they would not build it in the area of the flood stage. They knew this. See they know the truth of Proverbs 24:3. It is by wisdom that a house is built and through understanding it is established. If you don't understand these things, you build your house and you th- build your life on a foundation that will not stand the test of time or the storms that come. Now, I would like to be able to tell you that it's still that way today in the Middle East. But unfortunately, even in the Middle East today, there are developers who are neglecting the fundamental idea that you do not build your house in a wadi. Because guess what? One day it will rain. And just because he has not done it for a decade doesn't mean to say that the climate has changed. You don't neglect ancient wisdom because you're going through a period, a decade of calm. You still continue to build on the right foundation. You don't neglect it. Well, in the United Arab Emirates, in a a city called Fujira, they neglected that principle. And this is essentially what happened 18 months ago. This is a wadi. They built an entire town there. You see, the water doesn't sink. It flows. It flows. Now, many of us are so (laughs) wise that we recognize about not building here, but what we're not smart enough at the moment is realizing that not everything that seems firm is. Not everything that seems assured is, and even in the Middle East, people are neglecting this foundational principle for development. Now. That that kind of, those floods 18 months ago, they were shown around the world in TV screens. It happened all over the kind of Middle East, and that's one in the United Arab Emirates. And there was one guy from that city, Fujira, a guy by the name of Mr. Frederick Rambord, who wrote to the Gulf News on March the 8th, 2016, so just over two years ago. And this is the letter that he wrote. He said, we need to stop building in the wadis. The flash floods that the Fujira police have issued videos about, we've just seen one of them, have been happening in Fujira from time to time in the past. It's important to raise awareness on this natural occurrence, but what is new is all the homes coming up without respecting the natural environment. If there was no construction in the wadi beds, there wouldn't have been any material damage. At the moment, you can see dozens of villas in small villages under construction in this area. They are getting closer and closer to the beach. What do you think will happen? More wadi floods. And then he says this. And remember, he's Arabic, writing in English, okay? So this is, if his English, it seems slightly clumsy, uh, forgive him. But this is what he says. We are seeing material damages because that is the consequence of unreasonable, totally unreasonable development. Now, here we go. Our ancestors knew that for centuries, centuries, and it took 10 years for us to build everywhere without respect for nature. Those are powerful words, aren't they? Okay, Jesus, we get this. Don't build my house in the Sahara Desert. Build it rather on a foundation that's firm. No, that's not necessarily true either. Because sometimes what appears firm to us in our wisdom and in the wisdom of the day actually goes as far as neglecting the wisdom of the ages. This is a real challenge. And that's why Jesus basically says this to end the sermon. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who has built his house on the rock. Notice Jesus says, everyone, everyone. That means all people for all time. He says, hears. There's a difference in the Bible between listening to the Bible, listening to God's Word, and hearing it. When you hear it, you obey it. Hearing in the Bible is an active willingness to hear Jesus' words. And that's why he says this, you've got to put it into practice. See, the issue in here is not laziness. Some people think that's the point. Oh, they were just quick. They were saving time. The issue here isn't laziness. It isn't effort. All of us are putting somebody's philosophy into practice. We're all building a life. We're not lazy. Now, some philosophies are easier than others to put into practice. Some philosophies, like the philosophy of God's word, is actually a very difficult thing to live out. It is easier not to follow Jesus' word than it is to follow it. But the idea here is not that people aren't going to build a life. We're all gonna build a life. The question is, whose wisdom are we putting into practice? Whose wisdom are we putting into practice? See, here's the the truth, right? We build houses in good weather, not bad. As we were doing the expansion last year, we were months and months and months in front of schedule because the weather last winter was actually mild. The amount of gas we had to use in order to heat the ground to be able to do work in it was a lot less than we thought it would be. Saved us an awful lot of money. We don't build a house in bad weather. You build it in good weather. Here's the truth. Even following Jesus, you and I are going to get rained on or iced on. Guess who was smart enough to leave their car outside last night? Me. No problem, I thought. I've got a remote start. Half an hour. All it did was deal with the water underneath. It didn't deal with the, like the, the, the inch of ice on the windscreen. Any of you have that problem? Right, right, we're going to get rained on, and when it's cold, it'll freeze. But here's the truth. We lay our foundation before the storm comes. So that when they come, our home is secure. Jesus says, look, the one who wants to be secure in life builds their house, not in wadi, not in the Sahara Desert. They build their house on the rock, Petra. There's a different word there for stones. He's talking about the rock, That word means cliff, ledges, rock, rocks, rocky. But in the Bible, it means the bedrock. It's used by Jesus to indicate the bedrock upon which the church of Jesus Christ is built. If you want to build your life on Jesus, you build it on the rock. And this rock does not move. And this rock is that deep foundation deep within your soul, so that when it rains, you stand firm. Now, what does all of this mean in the context of our fake news series? Well, there are people who actually believe that it is possible to be spiritually mature without hearing the words of Jesus, to which we say fake news. Fake news. According to Jesus, those people who do not build their lives on His word will witness a great crash. It's foolish, He says. What's the application of this for us? In this moment, what I'd like you to do, if you're writing, taking notes, what I'd like you to do is just close it for a second. I want to speak to you as a pastor, not as a teacher. Okay, and and I do this in all sincerity, not to point the finger, because I always remember when I point the finger at someone, there are three fingers coming back at me. February the 25th, we did a survey, and in that survey, uh, you know, loads of you filled in that form, and there were many aspects of this that were just evidence that God is doing an incredible work amongst us, so thank you for that, but there was one thing that was really troubling. What was troubling is that that nearly a third of us who call Central Home don't engage with God's Word at all, at all. You add to that the people that engage maybe twice or three times a week, we've got over 50% of people don't engage with God's Word even every other day. Now look, I'm not pointing the finger, I shared with you a couple of months ago that I went through a season where it just felt that the word was dry. Am I the only one to ever have that experience? If we're all honest, we probably, most of us have gone through that. And look, you can be in a Bible study, but it's not the same thing as studying the Bible as when the Bible studies you. You get me on that one? Right, it's possible to read it and to be so far removed from these words. Look, I get it, right? We all go through seasons like this. I get it. But what I don't get is how when we don't read God's Word, we can say that our maturity, spiritual maturity, is seven out of ten. Am I missing something here? How can we be spiritually mature when Jesus says, look, the one who is wise is actually the one who builds their life on what I'm saying? And so many of us are not building our life on what God is saying because we don't know what God is saying because we're not reading it, and yet we're saying we're spiritually mature. How does that work? Look, my concern here is what happens in your life when it rains. If what Jesus said is true, and I believe it's true with all of my heart, then one day, if it hasn't happened already, it is going to rain. And it will rain, and it will rain, and it won't sink into the ground. It will actually seek to wash you away. And the question at the end of all of this is will you still be standing? Will you still be standing? See, while many of us would never dream of building in the sand dunes, it's easy to build in the Wadis, but you know, our foreword is for Aunt. What appears sure and stable on the surface is unfit for the coming waters. When the waters come, will you remain standing? This is about you. This is about your life. This is about your family. This is about your call. This is about Christ's purpose in the world. His purpose in the world isn't done through smart people whose ideologies collide with the Word of God. Let me say this. Wherever I've ministered in the Word, I get in more trouble when I preach the Word that clashes with ideologies of some kind. That's where I get in trouble. But you know what? Jesus says His Word endures forever. The Bible says that His word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. The Bible says that when we cherish His word in our heart, that's when we stand firm. That's where, how we stand firm. The issue here is, what are you building your life on? I do not believe the lie that one ideology is as good as the other one. It really isn't. So what's the application for this? I was thinking about this, and there are really three. I recognize that some of you may be in here today, and you may well be living in the storm right now, and you're actually finding out that your foundation really isn't as firm as you thought it was. If that's you, what do you do? Well, the first thing you need to realize is you can't build a foundation in a storm. You build a house in good weather, not bad. And so if you're going through the storm right now, you cannot pause to lay your foundation. You need to run to a safe place. Nick Marialki has some pastor friends, Marta and Martin. They're worship pastors in Leipzig. And when he goes over to Germany to do do worship, um, what do we call them, worship tours, he got to know Martin and Marty. A number of years ago, they went with Martha's parents to Norway, and they wanted to do an eight-day hiking exhibition, uh, kind of journey, expedition. And they went to a place that's like the Denierfell or whatever it is. You know, they got all of these J's in these words. I can't even say them, but that's where they went. And they were going to do eight days hiking. Well, after three days, the sole on Marta's hiking shoes actually came away from the, from the top of the shoe. And they kind of taped it up, but after having continued to walk for a couple of hours, they just realized she wasn't going to make it. The only problem is they were already a day and a half away from their car. So they said, look, we're not going to make it four or five days with these shoes. We're going to have to basically try and get back to the car as quickly as we can so that we can go on to the next national park that we want to hike with. So they kind of turned around, and they obviously wanted to speed it up, so they went through a different place, and, and their hope was that they would be able to do this one-and-a-half-day hike in one day. But unfortunately, they couldn't do it because they were walking through the Norwegian glaciers, and the glaciers had started to melt, and so what was a little kind of puddle a couple of days before had now become something that was up to their hips. Marta's dad was a kind of a swashbuckling type, and he didn't believe in GPSs. He believed in, in kind of using the stars and maps from the 1980s. And he kind of figured there must be a, a bridge a little further down. But they went a little bit further down, but the bridge was just overrun. And they thought, what are we going to do? It was getting to the end of the day. And they said, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll just pitch our tent tonight, and we'll make the, uh, the rest of the truck tomorrow, and we'll go to the, uh, to the other you know the other national parks, so they pitched their tent. Martha was a little bit concerned with this. And so at ten o'clock she said to Martin, Look, can you set the alarm for twelve and just check that everything is okay? They decided to sleep with their day clothes on because Martha was was kind of had this kind of uneasy feeling. Martin was like, No, it'll be fine. Her parents had actually got ready for bed that night as they pitched their tent and twelve o'clock came. Martin woke up, put the flashlight, everything seemed to be fine, went to turn the flashlight off, and he noticed that the back of the tent, where Marta was sleeping, was raised about six inches over her body. He kind of thinks, "Oh, what's going on?" And he opens up the front of the tent to look in the front part of the tent, and he noticed that all of the things on the inside of the tent there are kind of washed away. He realized what was happening. The glacier was melting, and they'd actually pitched their tent in an Norwegian glacial, glacial wadi. It was starting to flood. They get up quickly, packed what they could have done, go to their, um, go to Martha's father. They were sleeping. Was so shocked by all of this that he did a sudden movement in opening the thing, and their tent was filled with water. All four of them jumped up as quickly as they could, and they were wading through the river, which was now up here. They made it to the other side, and they started to climb this mountain to safety. The water was rising every moment. They thought they were going to die. And then in the distance, they just saw this light in a cabin. They went to this cabin, knocked on the door. A person opened it, and it just so happened that there were four empty beds, one bed for each of them. They said it was as if it was meant just for them. What's the lesson in this? The lesson in this is if you pitch your tent in a glacial runoff and you sleep by the side of these, what do you call them, muskox? I thought it was a made up word until I looked at it. If you do that in a glacial melt season, your tent is going to flood. And you can try as hard as you like to lay the foundation for your tent, but in the midst of the storm, the only thing you can do is to run for safety and to find a place where someone has room just for you. Listen, if you're in the midst of a storm right now, because the foundation for your life hasn't been laid right, then we want you to know that we've got places just for you. The primary place for all of this should be a small group community, people with whom we do life. But if you're in too deep, then Monday evening at 6.30, we have a ministry called Celebrate Recovery. And every Monday, a couple hundred people will turn up and they're just the ones brave enough to acknowledge, you know what? I didn't build my life on the foundation that lasts and I am rebuilding it right now and dealing with my hurts, my habits, and my hang-ups. But for me, the real wonder of Celebrate Recovery, this 12-step program, is that behind the Celebrate Recovery 12-step program, there are eight principles. These eight principles come from the Beatitudes of Jesus in Matthew 5, 1 through 11. They teach me that in order to lay the right foundation, I need to deal with God. Secondly, I need to deal with myself. Thirdly, I need to deal with other people. And fourthly, I need to take my place in the world. The real wonder of a Monday night is not that some people have the courage to say, I've messed up and my foundation is wrong. The real wonder in this world, in this nation, at this point in time is that people are willing to say, I am willing to build my life on the principles of Jesus found in God's word. That's the way that lives get transformed. And you know what, Martin and Martha, they they told you that that night they didn't sleep so well. They were thinking about what could have been. That's the way it often is when your life's in a storm and you're trying to find a safe place. But you know what? There are people waiting for you, just like there were people waiting for them to help you build a foundation that lasts. If you're in the storm, don't try and make it right yourself. Run and seek help. Secondly, I'm recognizing here the storm. Secondly, some of you are in the calm, you're in Christ. But you're not in God's Word. Look, the good thing here is that you're in the calm. But Jesus' words are true. It's going to rain. The rain is going to come. The storms are going to come. Now that you're in the calm, build your house, your life on the foundation of God's Word. And I realize that's easier said than done. For some of you, you tried picking up your Bible and it just doesn't work. You need a group of people to do it with. At the start of this year, Vipka just put a challenge on Facebook to uh, challenge people to read through their Bible in 90 days. That was like 14 pages or 14 chapters a day. That was a hard slog. But people wrote in and said, I'm afraid to admit this, but you know, I've never actually read through the Bible. I've been following Christ for years, but there are just certain parts of the Bible I, I go back to. And I've never actually read it. This was so meaningful to people that uh, we're actually today starting another one. It's reading through the Bible chronologically in one year. If some of you know that you need to read the Bible and you'd really like to, but you want to do it with a group of people where you can be free to ask questions, feel free to look up my wife, Vibka Reese. Good good luck on trying to spell the name, W-I-B-K-E. And i we'd be pleased to welcome you into this group of people just trying to read through the Bible. This is the first step. For some of you, you're more private than that. But you like your phones. You like your computers. Well, just go online and and download the YouVersion Bible app. Why are YouVersion? If you haven't got that already, phenomenal app. Well, what you can do on there is you can actually friend someone. And you can friend them saying, hey, you know what? I need to get into God's Word, and and I don't want to go public with this, but I want to share this with you. Will you journey with me as we go through this? You can pick up one of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reading plans, even if it's just a verse that takes you five minutes. Takes you ten minutes. Start to read it. For others of you, you've got your kids and you're thinking, you know what? Family devotions. I would love to train my children in this. How do I do it? Thebibleproject.com. Make a note of this, families, parents, Bibleproject.com. You can actually go onto this website, and with the entire Bible, and with each and every book, there is a, like a, a couple of minutes video, which is like a fun, a fun video that's been done that actually even the kids will enjoy looking at that explains each of the books you're going to read. Look, there are ways that we can do this. It doesn't have to be that way that always was... Considered too boring by many of you. There are lots of ways to engage in God's Word. But listen, the rains are going to come. If you're in the calm, thank God for it. But use the time wisely. Listen to His Word. And thirdly, I'm mindful that there are people who are in the calm. They're not in Christ and in God's Word. Or there are people who are in the storm not in Christ and not in God's Word. I want you to know that everything we've sung about this morning we believe to be true. That God has a heart for you. That because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. And did because he destroyed death when he rose from the grave. Means that you can have a relationship with Jesus right here, right now. That will be the beginning of a foundation that will last. It's all about Jesus. And it all begins with Jesus. The church with so many philosophies out there competing for your attention, each of them seemed to be firm, but that surface condition isn't the kind of foundation upon which to build your life. The foundation that lasts is a foundation built on the solid Word of God about Jesus contained in the Bible. Let's not believe fake news. Let's be the type of church that goes back to the source and allow the source to build us into who God wants us to be. The rock stands firm. But sand castles, they collapse. Let's go to God in prayer, shall we? Let's pray. Many of us aren't foolish enough to build our house in a sand dune that maybe we have been building a life without God's word as its foundation. For those of you in the storm, I encourage you today to find a safe place. Deal with God, deal with yourself, deal with others, and find your place in the world. For those of us who are here today and we're in the calm in Christ but not in the word, I pray for you that the Holy Spirit would just come in this moment and encourage you, inspire you to become people of the book. Father, won't you just send your Holy Spirit when a person feels like that in the room today and just seal that word through your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And maybe you're here today and you're not in Christ, and you're not in God's word and you know you need to be. You've been resisting for too long. You know you need to build on a foundation that lasts. If that is you, the Bible says it's very simple. All you need to do is to acknowledge that you've fallen short of God's glory. You need to recognize that the penalty for that is death, but because of Jesus. There is a way for you to be forgiven free and for you to live a life that glorifies Him. All you need to do is to simply believe in your heart that Christ has been raised from the dead. If that's you, then just tell him, Father, I love you and I thank you for what you've done for me in Jesus. Thank you that you have forgiven my sin. And thank you that because I have put my faith in and on the Lord Jesus Christ, I am rescued and saved from the floods that ravage me. Father, you know where each of us are at and you know that there are so many philosophies and ideologies out in this world that compete for our attention. And we know, Father, that it is so easy for people to pick up the Bible and to try and convince people that something is right when it's so wrong. So we just pray, Father, that as we pick up the word of God, that you, through your Holy Spirit, would lead us deeper into the bedrock and the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. And may Christ be real to us in the good days and through the storms. And may we as your people find and take our rightful place in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in this town, this nation, and this world. For your glory and for Christ's sake. In Jesus' name. God's people said,